Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for coming. Those of you that are here in the room, thank you for uh, coming and being with us. Thank you for your faith and your courage. Um, those of you that are online, I uh, can't see you, but you can see me, and it is a joy to know that you're there on the other side of a camera, hopefully, um, and uh, we miss you. Our hearts long for you. We love you so much, and uh, I'm so encouraged that the Lord, actually what He's doing in this room, that He can do in a whole bunch of homes, and we saw that on one of our Bible studies. In fact, the last two weeks have been really amazing, but two weeks ago um, on our Bible study, the presence of the Lord just came and filled every home that was participating. And the reverence of God, His presence, just came on us, and nobody could say anything. And we all just stared at each other on Zoom for about half an hour. And uh, I said to the guys, I said, man, nobody trained us how to facilitate revival on Zoom. Um, but I just love that Jesus is doing something that goes way beyond buildings and rooms. Uh, this is about a people. And uh, I'm really excited about where we're positioned as the church in this time and in this day and age. And uh, because I'm a, a part of 24-7, I'm really excited about 24-7 church and about what the Lord's actually doing in this time. And I want to encourage you to get your hopes up. Um, I want to encourage you to let your faith stir, let your hunger and expectation for the power of God to stir in your life. Um, because what He's going to do in this time and going forward, we've stepped into a new era, just so you're aware of it. We, all the prophets were saying it last year, about 2020. We have stepped into a new era. It's an era of the end time harvest. We're going to see the power of God demonstrated like never before. And you can say, how do you know it's the end times? Well, today I'm closer to the end than I was yesterday. So every minute that we're still breathing, we're closer to the end um, than we've ever been before. And I'd rather live like that than live passive and not have vision for the end and actually be shocked and surprised when the King of Glory arrives. So let's be a church and a people that are full of hope, full of vision, full of expectation, and uh, really know what's happening and, and, and are discerning the times. I feel like it's really important for us as the church to discern the times that we're living in right now. If you are comfortable with what coronavirus is doing to the earth, you need to get uncomfortable and let Holy Spirit push you out of that comfort zone and start to see clearly what's happening and recognize that the threat of the enemy is actually a reaction to something that God is doing on the earth. And what we need to do is not be so quick to discern what God's not doing, but we need to be discerning what He is doing and making sure that our lives and our words are positioned in the life of God and that we're actually all about what God is doing on the earth. And when the church begins to do that, we become attractive because we'll be the place where the life is. See, I was chatting to, to my dad, and as an eldership team, we've been discussing this um, you know, we, we really do feel, as much as we are fully passionate about honoring and, and submitting, and, and we do honor our government, and we believe that it's a God-ordained institution, regardless on whether they do it well or not, we believe that God ordained governments to rule over nations. Um, and so we are in no way want to dishonor that. But one thing we have realized is that the church is real quick to roll over, especially when uh, the authority that's given to a specific institution is overreached and they go beyond their capacity to govern and they begin to get involved in actually other areas of jurisdiction um, that are not theirs. It was never given to them by the Lord. And one of those areas is the church. And Michael Miller, he says something really um, beautiful. He says there's three there's at least three. There's probably a few more that you could argue, but these three for definite. Three things or three institutions on the earth or three ways on the earth that God governs and, and things that he's actually put into play. And one is government systems and structures, whatever that looks like in every nation. And that's regardless on whether they're doing it well or not. God actually put governments in place on the earth to govern nations, which is why we pray for them. Okay. The other one is family. 
that God actually has called families to be an expression of the governance of God on the earth. And so the, the South African government or 24-7 church or any church here actually doesn't have jurisdiction in your home to try and raise your children for you or uh, fix your marriage for you or anything like that. We can encourage and equip, but actually God has given you governmental authority over your home. And it's those homes that God's actually entrusting to be the very thing that trains you for the next uh, expression of governance, which is his church. And so you've got the governments over countries, you've got families, and you've got the church. And the church is amazing because out of the three, the church's role is the most significant and most important because it does not just the natural, but it's actually governing in the spirit and here on the earth. And so families do come under that, but they come under it in a way to support and enhance what the church is doing. It's not actually the church's role to be fixing your family problems. Oh, wow, that's a shocker. But um, that, that's exciting to me um, because firstly, what it does is it stirs your heart to be faithful with your family, faithful with what God's actually trusted you to govern. Um, to the, the men and the fathers in our church, ask the Lord, wow, actually, this is my role. My role is to govern over my family. And, and what am I going to allow to govern this household? And by what values are we going to live? And what's the culture that's being developed in my family? Those are really important things. And as wives come alongside that as well, and, and it's not a, um, a hierarchy thing. It's actually a divine partnership. Um, and I believe that we're going to see that. I, I do want to say this from the pulpit, just because it's jumped into my spirit and we've had to deal with it um, over the last couple of weeks. But if you're a woman in 24-7 church, I want to say that we, as a community, we wholeheartedly support you. And we actually want you to know this. It's Women's Month, so I'm going to give it a bit of a, a, a rev. We want you to know that actually 24-7 Church will celebrate the callings, the mandates, and the giftings on men and women of God, regardless of whether you're male or female. You're a, a son or a daughter of the King, and we will celebrate that, recognize that, and encourage it in this house. And so um, we, are, we are not intimidated by women leaders. We are not intimidated by gifted uh, women preachers, uh, and, and uh, even uh, many Daughters of God that will come through to plant many churches all over the world through this house. We're not intimidated. We're excited. So I'm saying that on the airwaves. I'm making a public declaration. We know what we believe. You're welcome to come in and talk to me about that. Um, but I want you to know that God is He's about family. And so this isn't about women's lib. I'm not about women's lib. It's an independent spirit. But what I am about is the family of God. And everybody has a seat at the table in the family of God. So I don't know why, but I just felt to say that. So talking about those three government um, expressions on the earth, I feel like the church needs to awaken to the reality of what we're called to. And I know we've been seeing that over the last couple of weeks. We've been recognizing that, wow, we are not just a group of people that gather for a couple hours on a Sunday, but we are the rising ecclesia of God, the called out ones to govern on the earth. And Jesus actually said that he has given us the keys of the kingdom. And, and what's so beautiful about that is, is he's given us the keys to unlock things on the earth that have already been unlocked in heaven and to bind or close things on the earth that have already been closed or bound in heaven. It's the most incredible authority. And I want to say this, um, there's a couple of things I'm going to just deal with, and then we're going to go straight into this awesome, uh, very simple word. But when Jesus commissioned us, it's amazing. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he commissions and sends his people out. 
And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And he says that we'll heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead, um, all these different things. And so it's really exciting. But it's amazing that just before he commissions them, he makes them aware of the fact that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then if you read pretty much the whole of the New Testament, we're actually one with him. And that he's the head of the body and we are his body. We become the embodiment of his authority on the earth. So as I began to read this and, and get get stirred by this, I started to ask this question. What is the highest authority operating in your life right now? What is the highest authority that's governing your decisions and governing the way that you're going to respond to the current situation in our nation and in the world? Whose voice actually has the highest, or let's put it this way, whose voice is enthroned in your heart? And I was thinking about that and I thought, wow, you know, the ability to obey the Great Commission comes out of a revelation of Jesus Christ and the authority that he has. And I've been talking the last two weeks um, in our, our Bible studies on Zoom about building on the revelation of Jesus. Because he said that on that revelation, he would build his church. He calls it on this rock, on this rock, this revelation of the Son of God. That's what I'm going to build my church on. And so as the people of God, we have to recognize that anything that we build that's not on the revelation of Him, He isn't building. So you're wasting your time. And I think what's been amazing about this time, I, I was talking to um, Izzy DeGiacini in the week, and, um, and she said, you know, it's so funny. It's a really like confusing, crazy time. But actually, she feels like th these are the greatest days we've ever lived in. Like God's actually, he's restoring and renewing families. He's rebuilding his church the right way. That actually, th there's just so much that God's doing. There's so much life in this season. And what I'm so encouraged by about 24-7 church is that, you know, we just before the lockdown happened, we were kind of entering into our building phase and we needed to get our fence up and all that. And, uh, and we were looking at this property and whether we were going to rent it or not um, full time. And uh, I just think it's so wild that lockdown happens and everybody's shrinking back and, and things are kind of, you know, we're, we look inward and we're, we're careful and cautious. And all of a sudden, 24-7 is just exploding and expanding and God's doing amazing things. And I want to just say to the people in this room, you might look here and see, you know, even less than a third, I'd say, of, of our church that are actually sitting here. The rest are online. So you can't look at this and say, oh, sure, you know, a lot of people haven't come through. Actually, 24-7 is exploding. Um, you know, even talking to the people that are not able to, to come and attend or aren't feeling comfortable at the moment to come here, when you talk about what's happening in their hearts and lives, they're on fire for Jesus. They're falling in love with Him. When they participate with us here, God's doing amazing things in their heart. And I'm telling you, the day that we are able to get together into this room uh, as one uh, congregation and, and not spread out, it's going to be wild. Because there's going to be such a value for unity and such a value for being together. Um, but what's amazing is it won't be comfortable. And, and that's what the Lord's doing in this time. He's letting us actually feel the season that we're in, and it's very uncomfortable. And what it means is Holy Spirit's working. When we start to get comfortable, it means we probably stop listening to Holy Spirit because He's the comforter. So if He brings comfort and you're already comfortable, what does He have to do in your life? But actually, if you're uncomfortable because He's pushing you and nudging you and, and transforming and changing and shaping and molding, then He brings the comfort that you need to go through the seasons that He's leading you in. And so we're in a beautiful time as a church, and I'm really excited. I think the fact that we've got our, our fence up on the land, we're about to start phase one and get the, the roof and the, the structure up of, of our first building. We now have this uh, venue seven days a week. I'm, Jess and I in courts, we've moved in here. We live here now. Um, so we're going to be running Egbalo from here. There's just a lot of life on the church, and it's really, really exciting.
And so I want to just say this, that all authority has been given to Jesus on heaven and on earth, and He has become one with us. We are co-heirs with Him. He's the head of this beautiful global body. And so as the church, we need to start to ask the questions, how long are we going to tolerate something that we have authority over? And, and I, I say that with such joy and excitement because my brain doesn't really, I don't think my imagination can fully figure out what it looks like when the people of God rise up in all authority and begin to deal with matters. And the next thing, we are actually, we're making the headlines every week because the people of God are, are changing the narrative of what's happening in South Africa, in the continent of Africa, and to the ends of the earth. That's who you are. This is what the Lord's been saying to me in this time. Um, I felt the Lord, during this season, He's building culture, a new culture. It's a kingdom culture. It's not that we haven't been building it. It's just that He's showing us how to build it more effectively. And, uh, and in this time, we're growing in this culture. We're learning how to, to operate in the kingdom, not because we're, we're after a specific destination, but because we know who we are. See, when, when we are building on the revelation of Jesus, that's actually, we begin to understand who He says that we are. We become a people of His presence, a people of His power, building on His name. It's not so much about where we're going, because the book already tells us where we're going. We know the end. It's more about who we are and who we're becoming. See, when we, when we focus on that, when we focus on who we are in Jesus and who we're becoming as an expression on the earth, then the how can change week to week. It doesn't really matter. The how is something that we're led and we're obedient uh, to Holy Spirit as we go. But who we are doesn't change, which means that our impact and the effect that we have on the earth is only going to increase. So you need to encourage your heart with this kind of stuff. When I talk like this with you guys, I, I know I feel it in myself. I've, I'm sure you're all feeling it. You feel encouraged. But I talk like this with myself and the Lord in the secret place to just build my, my heart and my spirit up and actually encourage myself. Do you know who you are? You know, you can wake up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror and say, do you know who you are? Because you might not know where you're going, and that's okay. You know, I can't stand here today and tell you what 24-7 church will look like in three months. Who knows? But I can tell you who we are, and we will still be that, and even more so in three months, six months, and the years to come. And that's what we're building as a church. And so um, when, we, when we were beginning to, to sing and prophesy, um, especially at the end there, uh, the nations just, just lit up. Um, I just began to see just the nations of the earth. And uh, I want to say this, uh, we're out working this and praying, and the Lord's going to show a strategy, but I feel like the Lord's called 24-7 to adopt regions, regions um, for the gospel. And one of them that's burning on my heart more and more, and I, I can't get away from it, it's the 1040 window. And if you don't know what the 1040 window is, it's basically, um, it's a, a, an area um, across Asia, the Middle East, and, uh, and North Africa, and um, it's, it's the most unreached locations on the earth, people who have never heard the name of Jesus. I think it's something like just under 3 billion people have still not heard the name of Jesus. Not heard the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about people that you know, have heard it and are, are kind of just rejecting it. I'm talking about if you were to go to them and say, do you know Jesus? They would ask you, where is he? Is he your friend? Is he here? That happened to me in India, and that was the first time that I felt the Lord smash me in the gut about this. I was sitting in a, at a little coffee shop waiting to meet a priest, uh, a Hindu priest, and uh, we sat with this Chine Chinese lady who had come. We were in Varanasi, and she had come from, um, from Beijing, and she's sitting there, and I felt the Lord lead me to speak to her, and I started talking to her, and uh, I talked to her about Jesus, and she, her words to me, the reason why I said what I said, her words to me was, where is he? Is he your friend? Is he here? Do you know, in that moment, I had two, two emotions happening. One, 
so much excitement to now preach the gospel. The other emotion was absolute fear because I've never had to preach the gospel to somebody who has no reference for who Jesus is. It's an amazing thing to ask yourself when you go like, wow, if you were to talk to somebody about Jesus and they had no idea, no reference, no experience, no understanding of who Jesus is, how do you preach the gospel to them? And at that moment, Mark me, I'll never forget I'll never forget her face. And I do pray that she has encountered him even more so um, and that she's walking with the Lord. But those moments do something in you and you, 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 know, you carry on with your life, but you can't leave those moments behind because what they do is they, they mark you and they ruin you for anything else. And you realize that there are ladies like her and men and women and children and, and, and fathers and mothers all over the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. And actually, the church, aside from our mandate to minister to the heart of God, our highest responsibility other than that is to actually preach the gospel to those who have never heard. See, because Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save the lost, the broken, those that actually need him. So the moment that we think we don't need him, we actually isolate ourselves from the life of God. And as a church, we've got to be careful when we become so focused about us and trying to be a successful church that we've forgotten the highest call other than ministering to him is to reach the lost for him, is to actually go and preach the gospel to the nations. And so the 1040 window, I love Randy Martinez from Maps Global. He says this, he says, for the first time, the millennial generation is the first generation in history where we can actually see the finish line of the Great Commission. And the finish line, we can calculate it statistically. And the finish line is in the 1040 window. That's where it is. That's where a majority of the people who still do not know or have not heard the name of Jesus, they're there. And I feel the Lord calling us to adopt those nations. And that means adopting them in prayer, adopting them by going, taking teams. Um, you know, we've been uh, praying and planning to go into Turkey. We were meant to go in April, and then the lockdown happened. Um, and uh, we're ready to go. We're just waiting for the, the borders to open. But the Lord enlarged my vision during this time, and I saw it as something that Jessica and I were going to do. And the Lord was saying, I'm actually calling your community to adopt the region and to be ready to go. And so I promise you, we, we're going in a direction where we're going to be training training sons and daughters to impact Johannesburg, to impact South Africa, but also to go to the nations that have not heard the gospel because this is what we're called to do. And I, I can't even apologize for that if that makes you scared or whatever. It terrifies me. Man, you know, it's not fun going into regions where you could lose your life. But there's a joy that comes from the gospel that is beyond your understanding. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And uh, there are, are, are people in Turkey, uh, I watched a documentary about what, what was happening with the underground houses of prayer in the region. And they were interviewing this one Turkish lady about how she's so bold that she goes out into the streets and she preaches the gospel and sings and worships Jesus. And they were saying, how do you do that being a woman in a Muslim nation uh, and not covered or anything like that, and you're just boldly preaching the gospel? And she, she literally was so simple. I think it was so simple that it took quite a while for people to actually like, catch it. She said, it's just a joy. It's just joy. Like, why do you go out there? It's just joy. It's just a joy to preach the gospel. It's just a joy to love people. I've been loved and accepted by God. It's just a joy. And sometimes I think it's going to take, it's going to take us going there in order to come back and know what we're called to do here. Really, you know, we pray this prayer, Lord, give me your heart. And, and I think what he does is he says, uh, okay, if you want my heart, I'm going to show you people's faces and their names and tribes and tongues that you never even have cared about or thought about. And I'm going to show you what I care about. 
And actually, I want to show you that when, when, when this thing is finished and we, we go into eternity, into heaven with the Lord, that what's, what's around his throne is every language, every tribe, and every tongue. Not just a bunch of English-speaking people in Johannesburg. And so as the church, we have to enlarge our vision and actually say, are we ready for every tribe, every nation, every tongue? Are we ready? Do we know what church looks like? I remember in our old venue, I was with... Um, one of our friends in the church, and we were stacking our chairs, and, and we put out all the chairs that we had as a church. And we looked, and we said, can you see them? Can you see the missionaries from Thailand and the missionaries from Afghanistan and the, and the nations all coming together to be refreshed, to be trained, and to be sent out to the ends of the earth? I don't know. I didn't plan to go here, but I'm just being obedient to the Lord. You know, the Moravian movement is the most incredible. It's marked me. I, I love the Moravians. I read about them all the time. They never, ever grew more than about 300 people in their community at one time, but they touched the nations of the earth. And the reason why is they birthed their community in the presence of the Lord. 24 people came together and committed to one hour of prayer and worship a day. And they, for 127 years, they did not stop for a second. See, there's something about a, a people of his presence, a community that are built on prayer and worship, enthroning Jesus in a region. There's something about starting there that lights the fires in your heart to take what you're experiencing, this glory of the one who's worthy of all the nations, that burns in your heart. Now you want all the nations to know this one. And you know that actually the desire of his heart is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation to come to the throne room of God, to be filled with him, to worship him, to encounter him, to be transformed formed because that's what we see at the end and so if we're if we're christians if you're a christian that's what you're living for if you're living for anything else it's that's not christianity and i'm, I'm really like you know i'm tired of people knocking words like christianity and knocking church and I'm like, I'm like man come on let's be a people that just talk life on these words again like you know people go no you don't need christianity you need jesus well christianity means to be like jesus so come on let's let's get out of the political stuff and let's just be what god's called us to be so good come on connor you're preaching awesomely so i want to talk about being a people of his presence because sometimes we think being sorry i'm moving a lot and max probably has to follow me um Please, everybody, come here. Online is really difficult. Just so you know, preaching to cameras is terrible, but it's nice to have some faces. Um, being a people of his presence doesn't always look like um, doesn't always look like what we've just done this morning. Being a people of his presence doesn't mean that we go to worship sets every day. Being a people of his presence means preparing a place for not just a visitation of God, like we have on a Sunday morning, but a place where He can dwell, reside, remain, where He can inhabit, a place of habitation for the Lord. And I felt the Lord say this to me this morning when I woke up. He said, he said Connor, if you'll honor my presence with your life, I'll honor your life with my power. And I just, this, this rocked me in my spirit this morning. I said, Lord, teach me. What does it look like to honor your presence with my life? Because I'll just be honest with you, this last week was rough. <laughs> it was just, it was really tough. It's one of the hardest weeks I've had in a long time. And I've, I mean, everything that we've done, we've, we've been moving house and Jess has started new work and there's just all these different things happening. And we're trying to like cancel certain things from certain service providers. We won't mention any names, um, you know, and all the rubbish that's gone on there and, and just the evil systems of the world that are, it's just injustice 
and they make you pay for things and do things, and they've got hidden clauses and things that you didn't see, and they, it's just evil, evil, evil. So all this stuff is happening, and um, nothing was just going my way. I don't know if you've ever had a week like that. I promise you, even to the thing where I'd come to a door and put the key in, and the key would get stuck. And now I've got to spend 20 minutes getting a key out the door, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Nothing is happening here. And then yesterday, it was so funny, um, we had a time with our leaders, and I was like trying to get my heart ready for that and like trying to prepare, but then we were cleaning and doing stuff, and then we had to go and get the coffee machine, and so we go and do that. Then we can't find stuff for the coffee machine. We're running around going back and forth to different houses, and in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm supposed to be leading a, a team meeting this afternoon. I don't know what I'm going to say. And then uh, we get home, and I think, okay, I've got an hour now to, to prepare and uh, kind of get some, something to eat, and I'm walking upstairs, and then I hear the girls freaking out, there's fire, there's fire, and I'm, what the heck, I come outside, this monstrosity of a fire is coming raging down to our property, the wind picks up, I've never seen a fire like this before, and um, so now we've dropped everything, and we, we're running around trying to get hose pipes, and Patrick's on the roof, we've got him up on the roof, watering the, the thatch, and um, and the, the, the flames came, and I, when I saw them grow, and they got real big, um, my heart start, I started to get scared because I realized, well, this is, this is not a joke. And uh, when I started to see the neighbors all panicking, and this thing was just, you know, flying, it came up against the wall on the side of this property, and there was probably, I think it's about two and a half meters to our thatch, our dry thatch. And these flames are, like, just about the size of the house. And... Um, and there came a moment when the fire came right up on the side of the house, and I'm standing there with a hose pipe, and Patrick's on the roof, and we're trying to, you know, wet the thatch. And uh, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anything a meter in front of me. That's how the smoke came. And I felt the heat of this fire come up behind me. And uh, having watched it jump the road here by our entrance, I started to panic, and I thought, oh, my word, here goes my house. Because if this thing, I mean, our little hose pipes trying to wet this thing, and they're not even, they weren't even doing very well. But I just thought, oh my word, here we go. And I, I actually had, Jess had given me a wet cloth and I couldn't breathe and I'm coughing. I'm trying to carry on. I put this cloth over my face and I just cried out to the Lord. And I just said, Lord, help me. I said, save, save this house, save my family. Like this is all our stuff. It's everything that we own. And um, it was so amazing. I just prayed that and I felt the Lord just say, speak to the fire. And I said, I said, Lord, this fire, in Jesus' name, it will not touch this property. And I don't know, when you finished, go and have a little walk. It didn't even touch the grass on the outside of our fence. And it burned all the way around us. Um, and uh, what was amazing is last night at Hoppers 3, um, the Lord woke me up and he said, he said, I'm not in the wind and I'm not in the fire. I'm in the whisper. He said, I'm in your breath. And he made me so aware of that moment that I had standing there. And he said, that moment changed the whole situation. Just a moment where you stopped. You knew you couldn't do anything. You, it was over. And you stopped and you paused. And in your breath, you just actually gave it to him and you spoke to the fire. It wasn't even this. See, I just want to encourage you. Faithful prayers doesn't sometimes look like this rah, rah, rah. What it looks like is a dependence and a reliance where it's like, Lord, I'm throwing myself at your feet. And without you, I'm nothing. And so if you don't come through, we're done. 
Sometimes that's what faith looks like. And I want to encourage you, abiding, we've been talking about abiding in the midweek. Abiding doesn't always look like somebody who's just super pumped up and confident and everything's going great and they're just a rocking Christian. Sometimes abiding looks like I have nothing else but God. I'm so desperate for God that I need Him to come through. And if He doesn't come through, I'm done. And I live in that place and I've learned to actually be okay with being completely dependent on God. Sometimes that's what abiding actually looks like. It doesn't look like people who are, you know, putting on this facade fake thing of trying to be these crazy, you know, over-the-top Christians. No, Matt, we are, we, we, we're rooted and grounded in the truth. We are a people who are dependent and reliant on Him. And sometimes it's in the, the, the weak, feeble little whisper of a prayer. But God says, I'm in the whisper. I'm in your breath. And the Lord said this to me. He said, Connor, you look for me in the situations, but I'm not in situations or circumstances. I'm in you. See, in the Old Testament, God came in situations and circumstances, and he had come upon people for a specific situation. And, and we, in the New Covenant, we still live like this. We're looking for God in situations and circumstances, and we wonder why we're living these rocky lives where we're just up and down and all over the place because we're trying to find a situation that God might just be moving in. And God's actually saying, I didn't come uh, to, to dwell in situations and circumstances. I came to reside and dwell in you. So that's what he said to me last night. He said, I am not in the fire. I'm not in the wind. I'm not in the situation that came against you. I'm in you. And the moment I stopped and acknowledged that, even in my weakness and my fear, to be honest, even in my fear, this little whisper of faith came out of me. And look what he does. And it just moved me to this place of such confidence in the Lord and, and no confidence in myself. Where it's, This isn't about trying to put on a picture of being okay. This is about being okay in Christ. Because it's like, Lord, you know, you actually get to a place where it's like, I have nothing else but you. The joy of forsaking all else and possessing God. And when you do that, you find a true freedom. And so this happened, you know, yesterday. And by the time I sat down to do our, our leaders team, they all came to help. It was really a beautiful picture of community. And I'm so grateful to every single one of our leaders. Thank you for, for coming. Um, but we sat down. And honestly, I, I sat down and my brain was so frazzled. I was like, Why, what are we doing again? What are we, you know? I was a stank of smoke. I ripped my favorite pants. Um, and, but then you sit there and you just begin to talk. You just begin to talk about Jesus and talk about his presence and just love one another and celebrate each other, call out the gold in each other and get excited about what the Lord's doing. Because you see, we might not know exactly where we're going uh, in the next couple of weeks, but we know who we are. See, when you're, when you're resolute and you're, you're firm in who you are as the people of God, you can face anything together and you come out stronger. You come out full of Holy Spirit and, and shining even brighter than when you went in. And that's what the Lord's going to do in this time. And so abiding in His presence, um, I said on, on Wednesday, it's just a practical thing of, of how, do we, how do we abide? How do we come into that place and remain? And I believe it has, it has a lot to do with our awareness and our attention and, and the way that we, we um, grow in that has to do with our affection. So if we want to give God our attention and be aware of His presence, we need to turn our affection towards Him. And it's that simple. That's the, that's the new covenant with God. You turn your affections towards Him, and He manifests Himself, not because He wasn't there, but because your awareness of Him has increased. You fall in love with Him, you, you worship Him, you, you turn your affection towards God, and your awareness 
expands and increases. And the next thing, his presence is more real to you in that moment because you're starting to see what God's doing and not what he's not doing. And so abiding, really, it's that simple. It just has to do with living a life that is constantly turning your heart's affection towards the Lord, growing in awareness of his presence and giving him your attention. Because it was funny, this morning I woke up and I was so tired and I was like, Lord, I'm trying to figure out what you want me to say today. And and I just said, Lord, just so you know, what a week. Like, seriously, you know. Um, and uh, I, I, love, I love the Holy Spirit. He, he is, I don't know how people live without God. Let me just put it that way. I don't, I don't think I would be able to, actually. Um, but I just love Holy Spirit. And I just felt him say to me this morning, he said, sorry. He said to me, he said, okay, will you give me your attention now? He says, because you've seen what the enemy can do. Now let me show you what I can do. And the only thing he's waiting for is he's saying, will you give me your attention? What are you looking at? And this week, it got really difficult and crazy. And so my attention started to drift towards all these things. And you can feel, what's the fruit of it? I'm tired. I'm stressed. I'm in fear. I'm panicking about things. I'm trying to solve problems myself. And then all the stuff is happening. And the grace of God, he meets you in it. And he takes care of you. And he carries you through. And until eventually, a moment like yesterday happens, where I finally get to the end of myself, where I knew it's done Everything that I have is over. Here we go. I'm done. Lord, I need you. And he goes, finally, got your attention. And he says to me, okay, I'm in your breath, so speak. I speak, boom. He takes care of the situation. Then this morning he says to me, will you give me your attention? You've seen what the enemy can do. Now let me show you what I can do. And I just feel that was an encouragement for us today. Is maybe even during this coronavirus time, you've, you've been looking so much at what the enemy is doing. And the Lord's saying, will you give me your attention? Let me show you what I'm doing. Let me show you what I can do. Because I promise you this, it'll blow your mind. You know, this week I have an expectation in my heart for a week like I've never had before. A week of power, a week of signs, wonders, miracles, encounters. Uh, we're launching Igbalo Coffee. I'm like, I'm on fire for what God's doing in this community and in the nations. And I'm expectant for big things. Because we're a people of His presence. And if we honor His presence, He'll honor us with His power. I want to read a, a scripture out of Psalm 84. I'm going nowhere according to my notes. So we'll just, we'll just fly together. Psalms 84 Verses 5 to 7, I'm reading out of the Amplified. This is what it says. It says, Blessed and greatly favored is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Zion, just simply put, there's a lot of um, stuff I could say on this, but just to make it real simple today, Zion means the dwelling place of God, the place where His glory dwells. So how's this? Blessed and greatly favored is the man whose strength is in you, whose strength is in the Lord. Blessed and greatly favored is the man whose strength is in the Lord. Not in yourself, not in your little empire that you've built or your friends or your family or the people that you think you trust the most. It's not in any of that. In the Lord. Blessed and favored is the man whose strength is in the Lord, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. In whose heart are the highways, the access points, the traveling routes into the dwelling place of God. In your heart are the highways. So the dwelling place of God, he's made his home inside of you. And the highways, the, the, the movements of the dwelling place of God, the routes to travel and explore the dwelling place of God is inside your heart, right? And he says this, verse 6. Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with blessings. That's what the Lord was teaching me this morning. He was saying, 
When you understand that your strength is in Him, you're blessed and you're favored. Full stop. In your heart are the highways, the movement, the movement points, the, the, the traveling routes of the dwelling place of God. And because you live from that place, you can walk through the valley of weeping and turn it into a place of springs. I don't, are you understanding what I'm saying? That's amazing. That you aren't actually having to manufacture or do something. What you're doing is you're abiding in Him. Your strength is in Him. You're living and moving in the, the, the place of Zion, the dwelling place of God that's inside of you as the people of God. And as you're living in that and abiding in Him, you can walk through the most difficult seasons where everybody else is in weeping and you can turn it into a place of springs. Whew, that gets me excited. Verse 7, they go, this people who do this, the people of God, they go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. People who abide in His presence are not passive people who do nothing. They grow from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. They are the most fruitful and effective people you'll ever meet. That's who you are and what God's called you to do. God's actually called you to be in rest 24-7, 365, never-ending for all of eternity. You can be in rest. Your soul is at rest in the dwelling place of God. And in that place, you're abiding in the vine. And He actually promised in John 15, Jesus promised that those who abide in Him will bear much fruit. And it's only when you're apart from Him that you can do nothing. Not that you can't do anything, but everything that you do apart from Him is nothing. Amazing. So when we abide in, in, in Him... When we're abiding in Him and we're living in that place of knowing that He dwells within us, we turn places of weeping, the dry desert places, the, the difficult places, the seasons of pain and turmoil and, and difficulty and seasons of global pandemics and all these, we turn it into a place of springs. And the early rain also covers it with blessings. I love that it's the early rain. It's like you're calling the rain out of season. Calling the rain to cover it with blessings. You can go, wow, this, this isn't really a season for financial prosperity. Well, call the rain because it's who you are. We go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. And then I love this. Most people would just skip over this last little bit. Each of them appears before God in Zion. Ooh, Zion is the dwelling place of God. These people that abide in Him, whose strength is in Him, whose heart in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. They can pass through valleys of weeping, difficult places, turn it into a place of springs. They can call the early rain to cover uh, with blessings, cover the situation with blessings. They're growing from strength to strength in victorious power. But at the end, each of them appears before God in Zion. What's the end goal? It's the beginning, it's the, the fuel, and it's the finish line. I love Randy Martinez says that. It's the fuel and the finish line. It's face-to-face -face with the king. It's face-to-face -face with God. It's his presence. It's appearing before God in the dwelling place of God. That's incredible. I don't know if you ever read that in Psalms 84. This morning I was undone. I thought, wow, I've read this so many times. But the Lord was just opening my heart and saying, actually, do you see that a people of my presence are a people of my power? A people of my presence are a people of the nations. A people of my presence are not bound by fear of a global disease. They're the, they're, they're the solution and the answer to it. They're the ones that carry the authority that bring solutions to the situations that we face. And you know that the solutions that we're going to bring are not necessarily things that we have to think hard and, and come up with. You are the solution. You're becoming it. Everywhere that you go, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven into that situation. So I have these expectations. Like if I'm talking to business people, 
I might not really understand the business situation that they're in, but because I'm in the room, I bring solutions with me. So because you're around me, you're going to get solutions. Just a practical example. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are the solution. You bring the authority of Jesus who has all authority on heaven and on earth with you. He's inside of you. You've become one with him. Um, I was going to get into it today, but I probably won't because for the sake of time. Um, but there's this interesting verse in Revelations 3.7 that talks about Jesus, the one who holds the key of David. And uh, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And uh, this key of David, it's also mentioned in Isaiah 22.22. And it says that um, God will set on his shoulder... It's a, the person he's talking about is Eliakim, who's a type of Jesus. He's a, he's a, when I say type of Jesus, some of you might not know what I mean. He, he is a symbol or an example of Jesus. It's a, it's a prophetic declaration of Jesus. And, uh, and so he says, on, God will set on his shoulder the key of David. On his shoulder. Well, where's his shoulder? It's in the body of Christ. And so the key of David that's in the hands of Jesus has been set on his shoulder which is us, the body of Christ, that we're called to carry this key of David. And uh, we're going to get into this over the next coming weeks because we're going to preach into what it means to be a people of his presence. But the key of David is interesting. Basically, it's this. It's a life of divine access. And I love that it's named after David because there was something about David that was different to anyone else in the Old Covenant. And it's his heart. And God calls him a man after his own heart. Why? What's the heart of God for man? Reconciliation, oneness, and intimacy. That's the heart of God. And David was a man after God's own heart. He was going after intimacy with God. His, his greatest longing was to be fully reconciled, that he could come into his presence and actually encounter him in fullness and never leave his presence. That's why he would, he would pray like in Psalm 51, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. His greatest desire, even as a king over a really successful nation, was the presence of God. Even so much so that he accessed a covenant outside of the law. He accessed the Abrahamic covenant, a covenant of grace, while the law was actually on everybody else. He so touched the heart of God that the law actually didn't apply to him in the areas that it should have. It blows my mind when you study the life of David. The things, the audacity, you almost go like, oh my word, have you read the law? You can't do that, but he would do it. Things like go in and eat the holy bread. That was, you know, according to the law, you can't do that. And David would do these kinds of things, but because he knew that this year was just a shadow, he actually knew the one that was, had put that in place so that we would realize our need for the Savior. And David was after this thing that he knew was God's desire. And, and David knew, and he prophesied in the Psalms, what was coming. And, and David in that time was going, Lord, I will not be left out of this. I want that. So much so that he, he actually takes it too far, and he tries to move the Ark of the Covenant on a... Um, on a cart or a wagon, and uh, it like wobbles, whatever, and one of his friends actually dies trying to save it and protect it because he touches it, and he's not supposed to touch it. And uh, I'll tell you why, because the presence of God was not meant to be carried on wagons that are made by man. It was meant to be carried on the shoulders of men and women of God who know how to carry his presence. See, moving his presence wasn't the problem. It's how you do it. We are not called to push and pull the presence of God. We're called to let it rest on our shoulders and carry it with grace. And so David learned this, and it's amazing that if you read Psalm 24, the first thing that David did as king, actually, Psalm 24 is in the context of when uh, he brought the Ark of the Covenant, and he, he put it in a tent, and he invited the whole nation to come and worship him, worship the Lord, and, uh, which is, wasn't supposed to happen. 
you're supposed to go to the temple, and there's a specific way that it happens with the priests and whatever. And he just says, I'm putting it in a tent. Everybody come. Let's just worship God. Uh, it's wild. And uh, he employs over 4,000 musicians and, and, uh, and worshipers or whatever um, to, to give day and night, 24-7, prayer and worship to, for the Lord. There's something about this, this man that we have to catch. We have to understand. Because Jesus names this key after David, the key of David. And it's, it's, it's divine access to the life of Christ. And it's only found. David was pursuing something that's only found in the hands of Jesus. And now Jesus has taken that. He's unlocked what nobody else could unlock, a life of divine access to God, reconciliation with God, the heart of God manifested in his people. Jesus has unlocked it. And what he has opened, nobody can shut. But not only that, that same key of David relates to the keys of the kingdom, that now he's given that to us as his body, and we can go and unlock what's been unlocked in heaven, the kingdom of heaven invading earth, and we can lock what's not in heaven and silence the work of the enemy. And so a people of his presence are a people of his kingdom. Now, what I've just said probably goes straight over your head because it's a lot, but we can actually teach into this. I've, I've got, I meant to do it today, but we've got a whole bunch of notes on the key of David. And I want to talk about what it means to live a life of divine access, true abiding in him, and what that looks like on the earth. Because actually, living in his presence 24-7 is a life of government, governance on the earth. And that's how we rule and reign here, is actually that we're abiding in His presence and we bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere that we go. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so I want to encourage you with this. If you've been in fear, and we're going to do some ministry um, for a bit, but if you've been in fear, then my, my heart for you is that you would encounter the Lord and receive a revelation of Jesus that changes um, the highest voice or the highest authority in your life. Because when that happens, you'll see the Zoe life of God, the abundant life of God begin to explode within you. And what it does is it's, it's almost like this beautiful larger than life perspective where a coronavirus that might be really big to you right now becomes really small and insignificant because you're beginning to see what God's doing on the earth. And I'll just say one more thing because it dropped in my spirit. Um, my dad said this to me. And I love it. Uh, I'm stealing it from him, um, but I'm giving him credit publicly. Um, he said to me, he said, you know, Con, what does, what does the coronavirus hold? Like, what is it actually, what influence, what threat, what does it actually hold? And I was thinking about it for a second, and I thought, well, I don't know, like, you know, what sickness or, and my dad said, death. That's what it holds, death. And so the fear that's come over everybody is a fear of what? Death. That's what it is. And he hit something so, it like lit up in my heart. Why are we as believers and Christians afraid of death? We, Paul said he actually was perplexed. He's in between the two. His greatest desire is, I want to go and be with my king, but I know that I'm here for your sake. And so I remain so that I can preach the gospel to you so that you can encounter. There's, the, the, if we're on the earth, we're on the earth because there's still under 3 billion people who haven't heard the name of Jesus. That's why we're on the earth. See, because if I'm a people of his presence, then I'm a people of his presence. He's my king. I know that eternity, I'm going to be in his presence every moment, and I'm never going to leave that. So yes, I have divine access to that here, so I live in that realm of heaven, that amazing, uh, deep place of intimacy with the Lord, but I have a mandate and a purpose to reproduce the kingdom of heaven so that lost sons and daughters would come in and that I would be singing with them in the throne room for all of eternity. It's really that simple, Right? And so if we're a people of his presence, we're not afraid of death. So if you're not afraid of death, you're not afraid of the virus. 
Now, am I saying don't be wise and, you know, go and offend people and, you know, rub your germs on them? And that's not what I'm talking about. I wear a mask, honestly, to make everybody else comfortable. Why? Because I love people. I love people and I want to outdo one another in love and honor. So I wear a mask to make you feel comfortable. But I really am not afraid of the virus because I have an expectation that it dies the moment it comes into contact with me. And, and you might go, wow, well, I just don't have the faith for that. That's okay. But then actually go on a journey with the Lord and let him produce it in your life because that's what Christians are like. That's what believers are like. We're a radical people. See, we can't be a group of people that gather together on a Sunday but look no different and act no different to people out there in the world. The reality is we're supposed to be the ones influencing the world, not the world influencing us. So now suddenly fear takes a hold of a, a government institution and they act and react out of fear and they put things down. And it, you can just see, I mean, everybody knows what's going on behind the scenes with governments and stuff. And, and, and this is what happens in the world. It shouldn't shock us. Come on. You know, it's like, oh, my word, here we go again. And then everybody wants to write an article. I'm like, come on, man. It's, we know this stuff is happening. That's not where we're meant to be operating from. But where we are meant to be operating is that actually all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, our king, the one who lives inside of us, the one that we get to talk to every day and do life with. It's inside of you. So what are we going to do about it? That's the question is actually, I'm not going to go out there and bash people for, for being in fear. I'm just going to be something that shows them a better way. I'm going to come into their life and actually reveal the abundant life of God. And they're going to see the presence and power of God manifest in my life. And that's what's going to draw them into actually what they were born for, which is communion with God. Because when you walk in relationship with God, there is no fear in that place. The, Courtney was saying about the fear of the Lord. When you have the fear of the Lord in your life, and it's not a fear like, a, like normal fear, terrified fear. It's reverence. It's an awe. It means this. It means that Jesus is the highest authority in your life. That's what fear of the Lord means. And so when you have that, then suddenly there's no space for anything else. You can't be sucked into the, the craziness of this uh, the situation. And I'll end with this and just say, are you aware that coronavirus has created its own culture? Just think about that for a second. Coronavirus, the main thing it's done, because statistically, and I'm not going to get into it, but statistically, we all know that it's, it's not actually um, what everybody says that it is. I'm not saying people don't experience terrible symptoms. People have died. I'm not knocking that at all. But this thing of like coronavirus is taking over the world and, and everybody, I mean, our government even gave stats that I don't think we'll get anywhere near, right? So I'm not, I'm not negating what people have journeyed with coronavirus, but the threat, the, the bigness of this thing that's taken over the world, I'm telling you, we've got to wake up and just look at this and say, hold on, this is, a, this is a strategy of the enemy. This is a threat of the enemy because God's actually doing something amazing, really, really incredible. And we as the people of God need to be aware of what he's doing, conscious and, and, and focused on what God is saying, what he's releasing over the earth, and then be ready to carry that out. Are you with me? So I felt um, two weeks ago that there would be such a weighty presence and glory of the Lord that's going to come upon our community um, here in this room and, and those that are at home um, for now, because you're coming. Um, but there's a, a weighty presence that's coming on our community. And I believe it's, it's, there's a deliverance. And I think one of the first things the Lord wants to deal with is fear. And often the way that we think we must deal with fear is by really going after why you shouldn't be afraid. 
And uh, I don't I get why we do that. But I think the best way to deal with fear is to actually look at the opposite, look at what the Lord's doing. And when you see the bigness of Jesus and, and the authority that he carries, fear leaves. Um, see, I felt that as we build on the revelation of Jesus, the things that are not of God will fall away because he's occupying your view. That's why I love that we're a people whose occupation is the face of God. It's like we're, we are just completely taken by his face because the more that I see his face, the more he takes all of my view and everything else falls away. And so fear will fall off of you as you behold Jesus. If you're at home and you've been in fear and you're afraid, then just behold Jesus and watch how it falls off of you. Yeah, really, it's that simple. The gospel is that simple. So I'm going to ask us to stand if that's okay. If you're at home, stand with me. Okay, let's start there. If you're a person who has really been struggling with fear in this season, and what I mean by that is to do with um, coronavirus and the effects of coronavirus, whether that's financially, relationally, whatever it is, if you have been really struggling with fear during this season, I just want you to put your hand on your heart, and I just want to pray and release um, just the Spirit of God over your life, that actually right now, this morning, that you'd experience a touch from heaven, a kiss from the Father that sets you free from fear that has crippled you in this season. Because the Lord actually says this over you if you've been in fear. He says, actually, I want to remind you that you're my child. You're not my servant. You're not my slave. You're my child. I love you as a father loves his children. And what he's actually saying to you this morning is he's saying, I'm inviting you and I'm welcoming you into my presence, into my fullness, into my life, into my provision, into um, my protection. And as you come into that place, it's not that you have to have this thing all figured out, but that you come in and you yield and you surrender. And as you become dependent on me, I will fulfill and exceed your greatest expectations of me. And I will reveal my character to you in ways that you have never seen me or known me. And so I just feel the Lord saying this, that if you will enthrone me in your heart, I will remove fear from your life. If you will enthrone me and behold me in your life, fear will have no hold on you. And so I release the presence and power of God on every single person here in this room, those that are at home that have been in fear, that have been struggling with this season and this time. Father, I pray for the revealing of Jesus, King of glory, King of kings, Lord of lords. All authority has been given to you. And so we thank you, Jesus, right now that you set your church free. Set them free, Lord, from the captivity that they've been in, the bondage of fear. And I just thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. There's another group of people that I feel the Lord's ministering to, and those are people who have had deep, deep um, uh, struggles with sin, uh, whether it's addictions or um, mindsets, depression, anxiety, uh, bipolar, uh, mental illnesses, uh, anything like that. That is a, it's a deep-rooted um, uh, struggle. And I just feel for those people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And actually, the joy of His presence is setting you free right now. I just want, to, I, I want you to hear this, that God is not asking you to deal with your problem. He's asking you to look at Him. And as you look at Him, the Lord doesn't just deal with your problem. He removes it as far as east is from the west. He makes it so far away from you that it has no say, no voice, or no um, uh, part to play in your identity as a son or daughter of God. And so right now, 
in the name of Jesus, mental illness is being healed uh, in the people of God in 24-7 church. I just break the power of bipolar. I break the power of depression and anxiety. And I thank you that it's replaced right now with the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we just release that. We release a deep work of your presence and your spirit, a, a, a new realm of liberty, freedom, and righteousness in the church, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is going to be within us and around us because it's the kingdom of God inside of us that becomes the kingdom of God around us. And so I pray for a fresh reality of the kingdom of God inside of people's hearts and lives right now. I also feel that there's people that when we talk like this and, and, and you hear us um, share that, that you do. You don't know Jesus in this way. And I believe that there'll be people, whether they're here in this room or whether they're watching online, that have not submitted, surrendered, and given their entire life to Jesus. And I'm calling you now to come home to the presence of your Father, to the presence of the Lord. And I'm saying you have a family to belong to, but more than that, you're coming into a kingdom uh, where your Father is the King and Jesus is ruling and reigning. And you've been, you've been made a co-heir with Him. And he, he wants to say this, I have not just forgiven your sins, but I have given you a new nature that will produce fruit in your life that you didn't think possible. For that person who has been addicted to pornography for so, so long, thinking that you'll never find freedom, the Lord is saying, I didn't just come to forgive that sin. I came to give you a new nature and to change your perspective, to give you a, a perspective of value and worth for people that you've never had before. And so even now, right now, as I've said that, that stronghold of pornography and lust has lifted off of the community, off of people that have struggled with that. I thank you, Lord, that there is no hidden sin that scares you or intimidates you because all of it looks the same to you. It's just an obstacle of, against intimacy. And so the Lord is saying, my goal and my heart for you is intimacy and oneness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I also just see there's, there's a woman or multiple women who have really struggled with self-worth. And you cling to so many different things. So many different things to, to make yourself feel better about it. You're looking to fill an empty space inside of you that you don't think you are worthy. You don't think that you're actually lovable. I just see the Lord speaking to you now and he's putting a, a crown on your head and he's saying, actually, you're a princess, you're my daughter. And he's saying, actually, you, you will not find this anywhere else, but you'll find it in my presence. You'll find wholeness, you'll find peace, you'll find uh, purpose, identity. You'll find love, true love, the only true love that you'll ever experience. You'll find it now in his presence. So let the arms of the Father wrap around you as daughters. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I just see maybe one more thing. Um, I just see the Lord restoring and rebuilding marriages. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that marriage is, is it's the beautiful covenant, the closest covenant that we can have with another person that relates to our covenant with God. And I thank you, Jesus, that you would change our perspectives on marriage, that we would not be so caught up in each other, but we'd be caught up in you. And as we're caught up in Jesus, that you, you cause our hearts to see each other with a new lens, where we fall in love with Jesus inside of each other, and that actually our marriages are the training grounds for intimacy with God, and that even while we're here on the earth, if we make Jesus the center of our marriages, then there is such space for us to grow in Him, such space for us to learn how to love, that as we come into eternity forever beholding the King, that we will 
will understand intimacy with the Lord. And so I just pray for marriages, Lord, that you would change. If people have built on foundations that are not the right foundations, that this morning there is a divine, beautiful um, redemption that's happening in marriages where you are making the revelation of Jesus the foundation. And I just speak it now, that old things have passed away. Behold, new things the Lord now declares in your marriage. And that actually the, the pain and the hurt and the things of the past are falling away. And even right now, right now, in your heart, you're able to look at your spouse with new eyes, that God's giving you new eyes for your spouse, that you will see them the way that Jesus sees them, that you will honor them the way that Jesus honors them. And so I release that over marriages in Jesus' name. And Father, I go after healing right now. If there's anybody in this room or online that has any form of pain, sickness, disease, or infirmity, I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. By the power of the blood of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I release healing. I release creative miracles. I release rest and peace over people that are struggling with sleep. I thank you for spines straightening up. I thank you for muscles relaxing. I thank you for legs growing out. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for organs being reset and, and, and brand new organs, Lord, that you're creating in people's bodies. I thank you for stomachs. Um, I thank you, Lord Jesus, where people have had problems with uh, food. Lord Jesus, that even right now, that you'll heal them in the name of Jesus. We release that right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just release the rest of God over your church that we breathe you in, that you are not in the situations, you're in us. That even as Elijah stood at that cave and there was the earthquake and there was the wind and there was the fire and you weren't in any of them, Lord, you were in the whisper. And Lord, what that means is you're in the breath. So I just pray this morning for us, Lord, that we would recognize and acknowledge that you're inside of us. You're the whisper. You're in our breath. And that we need to stop looking for you in situations and start finding you in us and realizing that you have put the solution in us. And as we just speak, even if it's not the most, you know, bold and crazy statement, but it's just, just a little whisper of faith that you move, that all of heaven responds to that small little whisper of faith and that you do what you are called and, 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 and what you have, have promised over us, Lord, as an inheritance, that you do that in our lives. So I just thank you for what you're doing in our community. What an absolute joy. What a privilege. Father, we are a people of your presence, but we're also learning how to be that. And we don't claim to have it figured out. We're just excited to keep growing, to keep going forward into you. What a beautiful community, Lord. What a beautiful community. Father, I just thank you for those that are online. Lord, I bless them. I thank you for just your, your, your anointing and your presence that's been here today, that it would touch every single one of them. And if, if, you, if you're watching right now and you're looking at me, I just I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I release the power of God into your home, that this would not just be like watching a TV show, but that you would actually experience God right now, that he would touch you in such a tangible way and that you would be changed forever. And I just release the invitation of God to every person watching to come in closer, to come in deeper, to come into oneness. And I thank you for fear leaving the church in Jesus' name. So those of you that are online, we love you, we bless you, we celebrate you, and we can't wait to see your faces. God's doing amazing things in this time. Love you guys so much. Bless you.